gives me uh, great pleasure to introduce some of the people who created that fantastic episode. So I'm going to welcome up here Rachel Horowitz, executive producer. Hi, Rachel. Would you like to sit here? Uh, David Nichols, author and screenwriter. Indira Varma, actor. And Edward Berger, director. Quite a roller coaster, wasn't it? <laughs> okay. It's fun to sit next to you. <laughs> okay, so Rich, I'm going to start with you because mm -hmm. I know that um, the project kind of kind of started with you. Um, how did you decide to put this amazing piece of work on? Why did you go for it? Um, I, I, it was a no-brainer. Um, the only question was whether the rights would be available or not. I mean, it, it was just a you know. It was so clearly Michael Jackson and I read it together, and we were, you know, pretty, <clears throat> I would say, aggressive. In did you have to fight people off? Pardon? Did you have to fight people to get the rights? I imagine you did. Uh, well, I'm sure we did. We didn't know we were fight who we were fighting. It was that, you know, sort of mystery of. Yeah. Well, we were, uh, anyway, it was, it, thank God it worked out because we would have been like that. Yeah. We would have. Yeah. <laughs> and David, you were brought on to, um, to write the scripts. Um, were you daunted? Yes, I mean, I, I loved the book so much and uh, I I'd had to sort of audition for the, for the, for the job and I, yeah. and I was very excited to get it and then, you know, they're, they're difficult. I mean, they're wonderful, wonderful books, but books so often about an internal emotional journey and yeah. a character's thoughts and feelings and not necessarily what they say and do. So that was the big challenge of the adaptation to make what is often quite a, a, an internal journey, dramatic, you know, um, expressed in dialogue. Look, not just for the usually... You know, the shallow way to adapt something is just to go through and underline all the dialogue and make, make the best bits. <laughs> Take and, the description uh, out. There was a bit of that. But there was also, uh, um, it also seemed important to dig into the, uh, the rest of the prose and description and the thought process and try and find a way to, to, to put that into a script format. Because you don't have access to the words he thinks she feels in the same way that you do... Yeah as a novelist. And also there's, um, I mean, there's a very specific change, isn't there, that you, put, you ordered the, the books, the fantastic books, um, in, different, in a different order, didn't you? Yes, and I mean, that was a, that was a, a note, one of those annoying, maddening notes <laughs> that you get, and you just think, oh, come on, this is uh, crazy. It's much, much better to do them chronologically. They were chronological until quite late in the process, and uh, there was a very good note from, from Sky to, to, to swap the order. And partly that's a pragmatic thing, because if you have a, a performer playing the adult Patrick Melrose, you, you want them to be there from the beginning. It would be quite tough to say, you know, Benedict's in it, but not really until the second <laughs> until episode. episode two. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I think what we realised, uh, and it also wasn't just a question of changing the title page, you know, there was a, a whole restructuring with the flashbacks and mm. working out what information you needed to reveal at what time. Uh, but it seemed, having done that, that it was much better to see uh, the effect and then discover the cause 
rather than uh, the other way around. So, um, you know, a novelist doesn't have, the, the, the novels were never written with this treatment in mind, so there was no reason to unveil information in a particular way. Yeah. But when you put something on the screen, you can't tell the whole story in the first episode. You have to um, space it out. So that was, that was quite a big part of the restructuring. And, uh, and having done it, I mean, I instantly thought that it was the, the best way. To, ha having complained and moaned and said it's wrong, <laughs> clearly it was Correct. the best way. Yeah, and even until quite recently, we were experimenting with reordering, and it, it still came out that this was the best. Yeah. Well, I, but I would never, I mean, it's fascinating, sorry, I'll stop talking soon, but it's fascinating <laughs> to me that, um, that the difference between the two forms in that I would never suggest to anyone that you would change the order in which you read the novels. But, mm. but on screen, sometimes, dramatically, you benefit from that kind of major change. Yeah. Um, Indira, I want to turn to you, because you appear kind of briefly in the episode one, and then episode two, as, as, as um, David's just explained, we kind of go, we go back a bit, don't we? We go to the south of France. And obviously, I don't want you to kind of reveal no. all, but um, your character is, turns out to be quite important, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Anne is key, obviously. <laughs> uh, Nothing would happen without her. <laughs> no, I mean, I think one of the... I, I feel really lucky to be part of this because... Um, usually, it's great fun to play evil characters, but everybody's evil in this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, broad brush strokes there, I, I describe it. But actually, Anne Meisner is, she's like the good soul of the piece, part yeah. of it, I think. And she has the balls to, to stand up to the bully, in a way. And, um, and that's a really fantastic thing, especially in current climate. Yes, and you get to go to the kind of dinner party of death. Don't Dinner party of death, yeah. yeah. And, and also she's, she's a wonderful, she's an intellectual feminist, New York Jewish. Mm. Great, I get the chance to really do some acting. Um, and she tries to sort of reach out to Eleanor, his mother, um, has a bit of trouble with that. And then also is sat with all these horrible people being nasty to each other. And I think she's the one person who spots and um, spots the... the the unhappiness that Patrick seems to be carrying with him. There seems to be an elephant in the room, as we know, it goes throughout the whole five apps, and she sort of calls it. But unfortunately, does she, does she really crack that nut? Mm -mm. I'm not going to say more. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, and Edward, I wanted to, uh, I want to talk to you about the, the the way that you filmed the first episode, and then the difference. I haven't seen the whole series, but I've seen the first three episodes, and they're really, really different. And that was a, obviously a deliberate decision, aesthetically, to to create a different world each time. Is that right? Uh, yes. In the end, it all comes back to the novels, and to the way David adapted it. I, I read the scripts when I first read the scripts, and I, I've, I've been a fan of the novels for a long time. I, I think I read the first one just, I was the first person who found it on a table in New York and bought it right away, <laughs> uh, the first book. And anyway, uh, so when I read the script, I was, I was uh, the scripts, I was really um, uh, uh, struck how, or flabbergasted, how different they felt. I mean, they're just, I mean, it's, it's, it's and, and then I realized, okay, they feel so different 
because it's you know there are a very um, um, different stages in in Patrick's development or psyche mm. or the way he he you know slowly slowly grows from a very shattered personality to slowly become you know start the way into a normal uh, life and slowly grows together and so the first script very much felt to me the way we tried to film it very shattered fractured very driven very subjective very patrick only patrick 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 and suddenly in the second script he's almost not there mm. you know it's all it's all indira yeah, and, <laughs> and a few, <laughs> few minor characters. So, um, uh, so um, uh, you know, so it suddenly felt very objective, suddenly like an omniscient viewer. And so we just, you know, I felt we had to treat the camera differently. And, yeah. and the third one is suddenly, you know, we've grown on. We're back in 1990 in London. London and so 10 years later than, eight years later than this episode, and Patrick has developed and feels still driven, but something changed. You know, he's more fluid and everything. And, and it all came also back from a conversation. First, when I met uh, Edwardson Orban, I asked him, so what, what do you want the audience to take away from mm -hmm. all of this? After, what do you want us to make? What's the feeling you know, we, should, we should give every one of you? And he said, well, I think it's... Um, you know, it's it's liberation from the chains of your past, mm. and and so that was sort of the way we tried to to move to move. Yeah. You know, from one th so first you're sort of chained and torn into many different directions. In the end, you sort of have one step to do. Yeah, and that's sort of the feeling. It's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, the with the first episode, it is you know terrifically dark. He's going through some terrible things, but it's also I have to say. Hilarious, and one of the things that, I've, uh, that is obviously uh, the, the joys of the book, and also what you've uh, created, is the idea that you can have such terrible themes running through, but also make it complex and 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 funny. I mean, you must be very proud of that. Is that what you wanted to achieve? I'm thrilled. Yes, absolutely. I do think that the balance that that everyone got it right. I. And really appreciated what you said. I think that everybody brought their bravest and most courageous work to this, and it really, you know, uh, I think Benedict is just astonishing, um, and you really see it here. Yeah. But as he goes through life, he's you know up and down, and when you get to four, you'll see a kind of version of this, but more in middle age. And um, I think it, it's an incredibly universal, even though it's so specific to Teddy's life or Teddy's character's life, it is, um, uh, I think everybody was a child <laughs> and everyone has this, uh, you know, I don't know anyone who has all good memories. If, if there is anyone, I would love to know what sort of portion of the sample size we have here. But I think everyone has pain and, and, uh, and laughter. Yeah. And obviously, when you're writing a script like that, the thing that I also was struck by is how, obviously, how awful pottery people can be, but also how hilarious they are. I mean, that was, that's kind of part of the joy of it, isn't it? Yes. I mean, the, the books are incredibly uh, aphoristic, and there's just great. The dialogue is wonderful, but the, the, the descriptions are very 
astute and witty and, and, and you want to put them all on the screen and, and that's one of the, the great pleasures of it. But it's, you know, it is from a, there's clearly, what I loved reading the books was I recognised that it was part of a tradition of Evelyn War and Anton mm. Paul and, you know, very sharp uh, social critique. But it was also um, harrowing and emotionally affecting in a way that I didn't necessarily associate with those authors, with the authors that it, that it seemed to draw on. And that's what I thought was unique about the books. There seemed to be no contradiction between a kind of a, a, a sort of uh, a society satire, social comedy, um, a great verbal dexterity and wit, and and a, a very painful human story as well. Yeah, um, the characters are also complex, aren't they? I mean, you're the moral heart in the, especially in the second episode. But you know, there's parts. There are parts of the time when you. Even with um, with with uh, with the father figure, you, 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 there's points where you think, okay, he's awful, he's absolutely terrible, he's a terrible man, but he's also pretty funny. I mean, there's an there's an element of it, and those complex, the complexities of the character is quite unusual, isn't it? It makes it so human and yeah. and so satisfying to play. But I was just thinking about what David said because a long time ago I did a play with David Hare, mm. and he said always tell a joke before you punch them in the stomach. Mm. <laughs> and, and I think it sort of goes really well with this because actually you're laughing away and then you realise sort of the damage that's been done in that laugh. Mm. And, and I think that's what stays with you. It sort of, it kills you, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think the complexity and the contradictory nat nature of, of all of the characters was, yeah. you know, is, is brilliant, is, yeah. Satisfying. It's funny. And, and also, we love seeing people fall from grace. You know, Patrick Melrose is so clever. You know, he's so articulate and acerbic and all the rest of it. And sort of, and you want to punch him. And because yeah. he's so rich. <laughs> but at the same time, he sort of, he, he himself realises that he is down there with us all, you know. And I think that's what is wonderful about that portrait. Yeah, I agree. When you were filming, obviously it's it's complex. You're in lots of different places. Which are the the times that really stuck out for you? Which are the times that you enjoyed? Because sometimes I wonder with filming whether anyone enjoys filming or whether they're like you know just thinking, oh my god, I've got to, you know we've got all these things to do. I mean, yes, you got the best of it. You were in the south of France in episode two, but which were the bits you actually enjoyed? Oh, there's every day where you go through a lot of enjoyment, but a lot of nervosity. Basically. Uh, Filmmaking, the actual shooting for me is always uh, really scary because you, you I, and that, but it's also the great, the great things about our job is that n nothing is the same ever. You, and you don't learn, <laughs> never. You come there and you think like, oh God, I don't know how to do this. This is going to be terrible. <laughs> this is going to be the worst scene we ever filmed. And then you start rehearsing. You think it's still terrible. It's awful. And it's never going to be right. And then slowly, you know, with all these people, you know, trying to get the scene right, uh, the actors rehearsing, and slowly, suddenly, you start shooting, and you realize, oh, it's actually working. Hmm. <laughs> How fun! And then you, <laughs> and then, and then you, you, you put it together in the editing room, and this is actually one of the first things I, I, I had in film school. I never knew how to, you know, how, how that works. So. The first um, 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 exercise we had to do is shoot Indira. I mean, let's say someone, you know, mm -hmm. let's, let's say do, do a shot on Indira and then do a shot on me. 
and then edited together. And I was so surprised that we were actually talking to each other, <laughs> that it actually works that way. So still, I haven't lost that miracle of putting it together in the editing room so, and, and, and slowly realizing it's actually, it's actually a scene and people talk to each other. So there's always this gratifying moment of when you realize it's, it's, it's starting to work. It's working. And, and, and so I guess that every day, I had a little bit of that mm. enjoyment. <laughs> Every day, I think I heard him say, I think this is my favorite scene. <laughs> and then the next day, I think this is my favorite scene. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? There's no point going, this is a terrible yeah. scene. It's just been not worked so well. Um, I wanted to kind of ask the audience if you had any questions. You've all been sitting there very quietly and nicely. And it's a, we've seen the first episode. It's completely terrific. What would you like to ask, other than where's Benedict? Which is <laughs> the answer is in America. Hello. That, Hi. That was lovely. It looked fantastic. Um, but I'd like to ask: Were any of the New York scenes featuring Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch actually shot in New York? Because most of it looked like London to me. Hmm. Maybe that's eerie. <laughs> well, reveal the tricks. <laughs> um, uh, we shot it in, in not in London. <laughs> well, the, the interiors, I recognise some of them. Senate House, the Reform Club. Yeah. 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 You want that, uh, the interior. <laughs> the interiors were London. Yes, you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Spotted. But it looked fantastic, yeah. though. So, congratulations. <laughs> Next, another question? Hello, do you want to pass the mic just forward? Um, hi. Um, well, that was, that was beautiful, like a really a visual feast, honestly. Um, so my question is for um, you, Edward. And I was just wondering, um, so I'm a film student as well, just <laughs> trying my crack at directing. Um, and some of the stuff that really stuck out to me was the really saturated color palette and a lot of the really tight shots um, of Patrick. And I was just wondering, um, from like a stylistic point of view, um, those things, at least to me, were the most like prevalent in this episode. And what exactly like were you trying to convey with those certain stylistic choices? And yeah, some of your favorite elements there. Well, it's part of the the, the closeness or the being with Patrick feeling was part of the uh, my experience of reading the script, feeling that it had to be very subjective, basically always with him, always you. Know, Behind his back and walking with him through, through New York, uh, and uh, uh, so so you know that was the that was the feeling that I had, and and that's it's mostly when 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 you when you write something or read something that you feel okay that's the way I have to shoot it. It just feels close. It just feels with him. Whereas episode two is very different. You know, it's very it's much wider or much more distant because it's not Patrick. It's it's other people. And, and the rich color palette, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's an intu intuitive thing where you think, uh, you know, it's something, it bursts with life and energy and, and fun, and it shouldn't be gray. You know, it's just, it just felt like it should be colorful. There, is no, there was no gray emotion in the first episode, yeah. is there, at all? And it's actually interesting, because the, sec the, the second episode is very, very beautiful, equally to the first, but in a completely different way. And your clothes are obviously fantastic, which is always important. Our costume designer, he had a brilliant idea of the three women are in the colors of the fig. 
Mm-hmm. Which is, nice. is pretty simple. Yeah. Fig is important. Watch the fig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, another question? Thank you. Otherwise, I shall carry on. I can't see. Oh, yes, over there. Hello. Hello. Uh, this question is uh, sort of for Edward and maybe Rachel as well, but um, I was intrigued that um, at the moment TV seems to be becoming more and more cinematic as the years go on and um, occupying a level of drama that's no longer really being seen on the big screen as much. And um, this is partly a technical question because it's interesting that a lot of TV drama is now being shot either in CinemaScope or in a wider um, frame. I think this was two by one. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, and I just wondered if whether Edward and Rachel, whether you approach something like this as just filmmaking or as television or cinema. Uh, what's the difference? I constantly forgot that it was television. I mean, I think I kept saying the film when we get to the film. I normally work in film, but regardless, I, I just never really... I think that it is... There, the the lines are just totally. We're done with it. I feel it's just, you know, big filmmakers are making movies on iPhones now. Not that I condone that, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm so glad that this is, um, you know, that we're getting beyond it. I have the feeling. Um, it is. Uh, I read an interview with the Coen Brothers. Who, uh, who were asked, uh, you know, Fargo is a big television series. I, I, would you be interested in making an episode of Fargo or television ever? They said, well, I'm probably not Fargo, but... Uh, uh, and then the interviewer asked, well, you're not television, you're film directors. And they said, well, no, that's not, there's no difference. You know, how, um, you know, how are we not television direct, uh, directors? Because most of our audience watches this on an iPad or, or a TV. You know, they don't go to the cinema. So, you know, where's the difference? And I never really got the difference. I don't know where the difference should be. Um, uh, why would you film it differently for television? Um, it's, uh, especially now, people have such big screens. It's mostly budgets and time that is the difference. But otherwise, you know, you can, you, we're all storytellers. And why, why, would it, why would we shoot it differently? In terms of the format, the big dream was actually to shoot it in all different formats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then we decided on two to one in the end uh, because we thought uh, it's it just it many tests and it felt like uh, it's the right format for this story. One thing, um, just uh, so it's not quite about uh, technical, but in terms of the overall producing of it, it started with the author of the books that the idea that it would be for television. And so the decision was you know, made by um, Teddy St. Alban before anyone got to get involved with adapting it. So and that, presumably that decision was, got fits, made by someone it else. It fits also with, because you have five things to kind of treat, don't you, really? Don't you wish there were more? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, then we but yes, the story to there, are, there are five. And they're all wonderful. Uh, Anyone else up here? Hello? Well, I shall carry talking. Um, What I wanted to know a little bit was it's quite, I read around the the subject and and there's some interviews that Benedict has done. And he felt that he, he was kind of, when he read the books, he really wanted to play the part right from the start, didn't he? He was somebody that was kind of fighting for that in the same way that you wanted to adapt. He wanted that part. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. 
I mean, it was, I don't know whose karma that was, <laughs> it's probably, but no, it was absolutely like, you feel like you're dreaming it, you know. Yeah. I dreamt last night that Benedict Cumberbatch wanted to star in my, you know, development project, and yeah. it was a, an enormous shift for everyone. Also, I would ask you, yeah. did that impact your... Uh, I, I don't think, I work. mean, I think Benedict, as far, for as long as I can remember, was attached to the role, and, that, yeah. and, and we always talked in those terms, and you, I, I think we always felt that, that, there, that you needed the kind of actor who could play Hamlet, and that, you know, the character's very mercurial. And, and uh, Absolutely, <laughs> and, you know, has a, a obsession with his father and mother, and is not always likable, and can be acerbic, and terrible, and also sympathetic, and touching, yeah. and introspective, and... And we uh, were always very grateful uh, to know that Benedict could pull that off and that there'd be a kind of mercurial quality to it and that he'd be able to do both comedy and seriousness. And I think that was, that's been the great... Uh, I mean, there's been lots of things about the process that have been very satisfying, but, but the physicality of his performance and the dexterity mm. and, the, and the, the sort of physical commitment of it has been fantastic because uh, episode two aside, he's... He's pretty much never off the screen. Yeah, and did you pitch him when you were writing it then? So were you, were you thinking about him speaking, or were um, you thinking more of the books? I, there's, there's very little that has been... I mean, I would say 70% of the dialogue is somewhere in, in the novels, yeah. even if it's an interior monologue. Uh, certainly, you, when you write a scene and, and know that the, char that the actor will be able to do this, will be able to bring this quality to it, or will give that line this particular twist, or... Uh, they give a certain dry delivery to, you know, when he says, we've taken Akbar, you just know that that's going to be fine and you can <laughs> leave in the script that he can do it. So that's reassuring. But, and I, um, I mean, in other things I've written, I've always tried to write with actors in mind, even if they haven't uh, ended up playing the role. But in this, I, as for as long as I can remember, we've talked about Benedict. Yeah. I just wanted to mention also that there's a, there's a beautiful performance in the second episode from the, the, for the young... Um, uh, the young uh, Patrick, and he's here, I think. And I just yeah. wanted to wave at him and acknowledge how fantastic he is. Sebastian. Unfortunately, he's not allowed to watch any of it, but <laughs> you're really brilliant. <laughs> um, did I just want to, I mean, we're going to wind it up, I think, but I just wanted to. Um, I suppose, ask all of you what you have taken away from this project, because having watched just three of the episodes, I have to say, I think it's really brilliant. I mean, if you don't have a smash hit, I will be demanding why. And one of the reasons why I have really loved watching those episodes is to see people that you normally assume are having a fantastic time. You look at them from the outside and you think these people are having the greatest time ever. It would be fantastic to see them. And to understand that they are not, that everybody is human, and that there's a road to redemption, it's just, it's a beautiful, you know, thing to understand. So that's what I've got from it. And what I kind of wanted to know from you, really, is what you've all got from the project, other than, you know, fantastic time in the south of France. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but other than that, that's what I kind of wanted to know. Um, well, there's no, I learned there was no craft service here. <laughs> um, who do I talk to about that? <laughs> the, um, that's a really, you know, it's there, I have 
a long, long list of things. Um, I would say for, for me, um, it was really scary to work on something, you know, that where the, the source material I, I had such a reverence for. And um, as many people know, we have, a, Michael and I have a lot of friends who said, you know, don't screw this up. Uh. And I had not heard that before on any project. So um, <laughs> the point of this is to say uh, what's wonderful is when there's source material to do adaptation where you have a team of people who are all carrying, you know, dog-eared copies of the books around, and, and we can all talk to each other, this lingua franca. I mean, everyone's from another country or different backgrounds, but we have this enormous reverence for the books, mm. and that was where we all got to, um, you know, kind of commune. Yeah, it's like fangirling and fanboying and then taking it out. I, 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 I mean, two things very briefly, I suppose. One is that it's by far the hardest thing I've ever worked on. <laughs> and I mean, that you the survived. first draft was, I think, the first draft of Nevermind when it was the first episode is five, six years ago. And there's 70, 80 files on my computer of big changes, small changes, moving things around. And often screenwriters are very resentful of that process, so that, you know, as if they're being sort of toyed with by Philistines. But actually, it's always. <laughs> got better, you know, it's always got better. And I, and I would very rarely, it's very rare that I've done a rewrite and, and if I'd had the option, gone back to the previous version. Yeah. So that's been interesting for me, even though at times it's been you know, frustrating, handing in your homework and getting it back and doing it. And, and, yeah. but, 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 you know, when you see the finished project, you're very, very grateful. At the same time, I'm extremely grateful for what uh, performers and a production team bring the things, because most of my time I write fiction and it's just me. And the collaborative element to this is both the best and the most difficult part of the process. And seeing, seeing um, the way an actor can twist a line or, or the way a, 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 a cinematography choice can lift a scene, all of that is endlessly fascinating and satisfying. And I'm learning from that all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's so much again, as Rachel said. The source material, definitely, I love the books, and I, I say everyone should go and read them after they've seen the series, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but for me, it's really uh, the opportunity to play a role like Anne, being a mixed-race actress. You know, it's not often that you get the chance to play New York Jewish intellectual, mm. and um, that's thanks to you casting mm. me and Nina Gold putting me up for it. So I think that's that was a really, really massive for me. Um, and also it's a great part. Yeah. Um, and it was they're working with the big guns, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee, Hugo Weaving. I had very little to do with Benedict, but these are very generous, creative people, obviously aside from director and producers and writers. And um, there's no ego there. And that is liberating. You feel like you can do whatever you want on set. And it goes if you're part of if you're part of it if you're fangirling yeah. on the literature. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so that was it was a joy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Well, Thank you. Um, um, uh, it's, it's a very very good yeah, question, but the hardest one to answer. Uh, I think for me, uh, it's right now. It's just really daunting because I've uh, the. It's, I'm, I'm repeating what Rachel and Indira have said. Uh, the, the, 
the source material, I've, I've, I've really adored the books for, for a long time. Uh, and uh, to be able to get to make that, uh, there's no other book that I, that I really feel that passionate about. So I'm very scared, actually, of mm. to, to find something new yeah. <laughs> that I'm as passionate about as this. It's, it's really sort of discovering that passion of making something that you really want to make, and, 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 and now it's slowly getting to an end. Are you worried you've peaked? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> you have to just do a different project, much smaller. Yeah. Now on OK, unless we have any more questions, I'm going to wind this up for these fantastic people. I hope you all enjoyed it. I imagine I can tell that you did. And it's just to say that uh, the series goes out on Sunday, May the 19th. So make sure you've got that. 13th. 13th. Oh, my God. I learned that as well, man. I Royal learned wedding. it. You're confusing it with... Oh, yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm really not. I'm not that interested. But anyway, so week on Sunday. That's when it is. So uh, watch then five parts. If you don't have Sky Atlantic, then you can watch it on Now TV. So you have a choice. But I'd just like to say thank you so much you. to Rachel, David, Indira, and, 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 uh, Ed, Ed, and Edward. And thank you so much to all you audience. <laughs>